Welcome to the 14th episode of Cross Radio, the show to A-style your business by learning from entrepreneurs on experience how to solve problems. I'm your host, Peter Martin, director of Prof.biz. Today we have presentation and communications trainer, Duncan Yellowy. Good morning, Duncan. Do you want to say hi to the listeners and tell them about what you do? Morning, Peter. Uh, hi, folks. Yeah, so I'm a, a presentation and communications uh, trainer and coach. I help people make the most of standing up and talking. Uh, it's, it's a really powerful thing to stand up in front of other people and talk about your messages and talk about your ideas, but it's one that is often done very badly and one that gets a bit neglected. I think we spend lots of money on our, our marketing and our social media and all of that sort of stuff, but if you can stand up for an hour in front of the right hundred people and really nail it, that's way more powerful than uh, a lot of social media or, or kind of ad campaigns and that kind of thing. So yeah, I help people make the most of those opportunities really. That sounds good. So can you tell me a little bit about your journey and how you got to where you are today, helping people with presentations and communication? Yeah, sure. Uh, it's a bit of a, a bit of a roundabout one, really. Um, I started, uh, well, actually I've always done theater since I was little, since I was a kid. Um, I've been doing drama since I was about 12. Uh, on on stages of various sizes and in productions of various qualities. I did a lot of youth theatre that was bad. <laughs> um, but uh, then I went to Edinburgh University and studied mechanical engineering. Um, so I got, got that degree. But all the way along, I was doing theatre and uh, I stopped performing and started directing. So you start to see this kind of uh, not being on stage, but helping the people on stage give the best performances and trying to get you know, make a scene work properly and, and get the right emotional response that we're kind of after. Um, and I finished that and then decided that uh, I didn't want to be an engineer. I'm not good enough at maths. Uh, <laughs> good enough to get the degree, but not to really do the job, I think. Um, so I went off and did a master's in uh, the history of science and science communication. So kind of, I, I had this idea that I wanted to be uh, the Brian Cox for the history of engineering, right? I wanted to, to stand on telly and tell people about the stories of engineering because I think they're really cool and interesting and fascinating. And so I spent some time learning about the history of science and about science communication and how that works and how it's kind of happened. It's a whole industry unto its own, which I didn't really know about. Um, but of course, then decided that being Brian Cox wasn't quite what I wanted to do either. Uh, and so ended up going, well, what do I do next? Uh, you know, I've got a master's, I've got this engineering degree. I really like theater and performance. Where does, where's my box? Where do I fit? Um, and, uh, happily at about that time, a job came up at the international center for life, which is a, a, a science center, a bit like the science museum. Uh, it's in Newcastle upon Tyne and I got a job there. Uh, creating science shows, um, so science demonstration shows for families, explaining concepts like flight or food or angular momentum to 10-year-olds and blowing stuff up. Um, and yeah, so I really liked that. And I was training the performers to deliver those shows. I was writing the shows, training them, writing workshops. Um, and they started to... Uh, farm me out, I guess, to train academics in communicating science to the public and public engagement and that kind of thing. So I started running sessions for academics um, and all the way along, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of obsessed with, with communication and, and, and what happens between a performer and the audience. That was my, my master's dissertation was about uh, using theater as a communication medium for science and that kind of what, how do you do it? How do you make it work? Is it effective? 
uh, and started applying a bunch of that to the stuff I was doing. Um, yeah, and I did all sorts of really fun things with with life. I did around Bright Club, which is a uh, a comedy night where academics do stand up comedy about their research. Uh, it's, I, it's amazing. You should come along. It's it's still run by the Center for Life um, by a good friend of mine, Marilena, and. Uh, yeah, it's it's really funny. It happens at the Stand Comedy Club in Newcastle. There's a professional compare paying audience. It's the stakes are quite high here. This isn't this isn't a dry academic lecture. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was really good fun. I absolutely loved it. So when, um, yeah, I took I took when I sort of had enough of that, I I took a year or so out to do work on something else, completely different project, back to my engineering roots, um, kind of uh, design innovation project uh, but that helped me set up on my own have a bit of free time to start working on my own and, and kind of go freelance and I've been doing this for just over 18 months now uh, full-time uh, with a whole bunch of different clients and different sorts of people um, still with one foot in academia but increasingly a, a foot in the commercial world as well because you know the problems are the same <laughs> you've got loads of interesting exciting ideas and people struggle to communicate them well or, or struggle to make the audience really oh, sorry the experience really work for the audience as well um and yeah i really like helping people and i'm learning more and more about it all the time so you feel like you've you've found your box now you yeah i think so at least for now the box for at now. least for now <laughs> I'm, one, I'm one of those personalities i think that you know in, in in 10 years i'll go off and do something different but um it's uh yeah the for now this is it there's there's I've learned so much since, since I spent, went kind of full-time on this and focused on this. I've done a lot of reading of research papers and various different bits and pieces, and there's still, still more to learn and my own ideas are developing. Um, and yeah, helping folk, because that's, that's fundamentally what it is. People struggle. I know yourself have mentioned that you get quite nervous about public speaking and, and that sort of stuff. And that's, you know, there's, there's on the one side, I help businesses by making the most of this this opportunity and you pay a thousand pounds to go to a conference, you know, you might, you want to get some return on that. Um, but also helping individuals face those fears, deal with those nerves and, uh, and kind of build their confidence with it. Cause it's, it's a key skill. It's a real key skill for business. It really is actually, because everything comes down to, to people as well. So we were just talking on another podcast um, about how, one thing that you sell is your product or service, but the other thing that you're really selling that it all comes down to is the people. And sometimes you find a product that you like, but you don't quite gel with the person, which means you think, oh, I'll go elsewhere for that solution because there's always the same product. There's not always the same person. And if you're not communicating well, also it was a, it's particularly hard in my industry. You go to a networking event. There's about five people that will do websites. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. The company time yeah. or social media, and you just like, yeah. So yeah. if you're not communicating effectively, I'm better than the other four. Like, and that's where that's where, to some extent, you know, the the uh, authenticity and personality comes in, but also gets kind of smushed into personal branding and and that sort of idea. You know, I'm I'm there's maybe four or five um, sort of solo presentation trainers kind of in my area. And uh, I know them all quite well now. And we kind of get together and chat every now and then. And what separates us out is the content's a little bit different, but actually it's personalities. And, you know, some people like working with me, some people like working with them and that's fine. You know, it's about that. So if you're, if you're in a room with five other people who build websites, um, you know, everybody's going to be using up to the minute software. Everybody's going to be doing snazzy stuff. 
the thing that people connect to, and this is always the case, is is people. You know, that, that kind of old phrase, people buy from people they know, like, and trust. The most yeah. important bit of that for me is the second people. People buy from people. Okay, so if you, you know, if you go out there as an organization trying to sell as, as an organization, particularly in the age of social media and on social media, it's not going to work. You know, people, people buy from people. They want to connect with a human being or at least something that feels very like a human being, um, which is where uh, chatbots and that sort of stuff are starting to head. And, uh, and if you get that right, then that's where, that's where the sale happens. People decide they like you, decide they want to work with you, what your product or service is, is definitely secondary. Yeah, always the case. Yeah. That's why it's quite important that you can obviously communicate well with these people, because if not... It's, yeah, it's, and, and this, this is one of the things why my, my kind of training and the way I work is, can be focused on presentations, so standing up in front of 100 people or 1,000 people, whatever, but it also applies to one-to-one conversations, to, to those sales pitches, to those small business meetings, to... Uh, you know, round table board meeting type presentations. It's all communication. Um, and the things that make a presentation to a thousand people good are the same things that make, you know, this chat with you good or a conversation with a client good. Yeah, absolutely. Bring on the era of AIs. <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely not. I, I, no, no. These skills are getting more and more important, I think, as we get more and more tech savvy, more and more jobs done by robots. It'll be more important that you can communicate with people. It's very true. I do like how they are trying to educate children in terms of manners and stuff rather than just snapping commands where they try and make them say please or make them Yeah, say absolutely. And, and that's been a big thing. I think I... So one of the things, because I did, I did theatre a lot as a kid, um, and one of the things that doing theatre, and it wasn't, wasn't serious theatre, you know, we did Shakespeare every now and then, but it was mostly messing around playing theatre games, you know, the improv, improv games. Think, um, whose line is it anyway? That kind of stuff, but in, uh, in, in sort of silly free form. And what it does, I think, is it, it teaches you empathy. It teaches you to listen to other people because you have to respond to them it teaches you to say yes to the ideas that people are suggesting and be open to the ideas that people are suggesting um and to be confident in your own stuff as well so when you're putting stuff forward to go forward with confidence but to always be aware of folk around you and to listen i think i you know i think teaching teaching children drama or theater skills in school as complete mandatory I, i'd be behind that i think that would be a good thing it is i remember enduring drama through it is, yeah, it is It is. perhaps not for everybody uh, or maybe that medium, but I think finding some way to get kind of some empathy training or, or, or yeah, because fundamentally communication kind of is about that connection. And uh, yeah, not everybody is, is the natural show off that I am, um, which, is, which is a good point. But uh, yeah, I think that it's a skill that's going to become more important as, as, as tech takes over. Yeah. So you've obviously gone from your employed work, uh, you've done your mechanical engineering, you've worked at the Centre of Life, and now you've kind of set up your, your own business, yep. uh, doing these communication, presenting skills, um, training, coaching. Is there a challenge that maybe you've come across in business that you could share with everybody listening today? Uh, yeah. So the big one for me, and it has and I'm still, I'm still kind of getting to grips with it really, is um, it's sort of a combination of, of work-life balance and uh, 
and productivity, right? So if you are, I know you've had Tiana on, on before and chatted to her and she's absolutely amazing at this stuff. But if you are spending your time productively, then it's easier to get the work-life balance. If you're not, it's harder to get the work-life balance. And, and what do you just, what sort of balance do you want? Trying to navigate those sort of problem areas, I guess, uh, slightly tricky things. Um, it's a difficult one and it's ongoing. And um, I think most entrepreneurs would agree that it's one of the difficult things. You can either go flat out, but with the knowledge that you'll probably burn out at some point and that that's not good. Or you try and balance it, but every time you're having time off, you feel a bit guilty that you should be doing more work and should be pushing harder. But yeah. The the one thing I've mentioned it before in another podcast when, when someone was talking about work-life balance is you might actively go, okay, yep, I'm finishing work sitting on the computer not working gonna go and spend time with the family but then you realize that in your head particularly if you've got a project coming up or something or you've got a new exciting idea you're still on inside your your mind and and i think i mentioned that on the same podcast with my daughter once when she was quite young turned around to me she went dad you're here but you're not here (laughs) 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 because uh, yeah that was i thought you, you are right in work-life balance, but it isn't just being able to shut down the computer. It's being able to shut down the mind and, and separate. Yeah, and, and every, everybody works really differently, but finding, you know, do, can you shut it off like that? Can it be a hard, it's five o'clock, bof, I'm done. Do you have to kind of plan in almost like a wind down bit of time, a bit of space where you and, and whoever you, who's at home, partner, family, whatever, just know, okay, give him, you know, let's give Peter an hour to, to let the thoughts sift out a bit. Um, one of the things I, I find that I do is I'm kind of constantly compiling to-do lists in my head. Um, so I'll wake up with a kind of... And then you forget it all at nine o'clock when you go on the computer. You, you do, but you, you kind of have to get up and start doing it. Um, so, yeah, that's, I think that's probably it's a very generic problem, um, but it's one I suspect is really common to most people who are entrepreneurs and and it, it feeds into a bigger thought that I've been having recently about what you know why why do this <laughs> you know why why, why put ourselves why, through it you know, yeah set up on your own right and and everybody will have their own answer to that um for me actually it's it's about enjoying life at the minute you know some people want to work really hard and, and become millionaires in five years and, and great for me it's about being able to enjoy the time I have now and so if that's the kind of fundamental why, you know, being able to, to go on holiday or, or take time off to, to spend time with my partner whenever she's free, she's a nurse, so she works weird shifts as well. Um, so actually getting that productivity and that work-life balance right now is really important for, for the whole reason that I'm doing this. That's very true. We've got to enjoy what we're doing. Before we get on to how you resolve that issue, obviously you've touched on to-do list. Just like to take a minute to let our community and listeners know about Entrepreneur Profs, where you can meet other entrepreneurs and learn from them, as well as find the tools we recommend. Just go to entrepreneur.profs.biz. You can also join our three Entrepreneur Profs Facebook group. So Duncan, you've mentioned there a little bit about, obviously you make to-do list and then you've got to get out of bed and do them before they disappear from your mind. Is there other ways that you've maybe resolved this issue and is there any software or tools that have helped you to do it? Uh, yeah, so um, as I know this is a, a kind of tech-focused podcast a little bit, so I've got, a, I've got two bits of software I want to mention. One is, is 
about that, about the to-do lists. Um, it's a website called plan.com, plan.co. Um, it's sort of still relatively early development and it has, uh, sorry, it has a bunch of team, team sort of coordination tools in it as well. But I use it for to-do lists and scheduling. Um, okay. So I, and, and I don't do this regularly which is perhaps bad, but when I do do it, it works really, really well. So it, it you make a to-do list um, and then you can, it syncs up with your calendar, uh, Google calendar in my case, and you can just drop it in. So I have them set to be 50 minute blocks. So I write, you know, um, do podcast with Peter comes up 50 minute block. I can drop that into my day and I know that's happening. And then you can tick them off and it gives you the nice little line through, which is kind of satisfying to cross things off your to-do list. Um, so when I'm doing, doing little stars as well. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> how, many, how much did you manage this week? And, um, I, uh, I usually put about five to six blocks in a day, depending what else I've got other meetings and stuff scheduled in. I work around those. Um, and when I'm doing really well, I get, uh, the week scheduled in the afternoon of the Friday before. Does that make sense? So on Friday, I'll look that ahead and go. Planning. That is some planning though. <laughs> and, but but what, it, what it means is that, and I really remember this really vividly, the first time I properly managed to do this, I felt like, okay, I clocked off on a Friday. Um, it was a weekend when both me and my partner were off. Um, and I knew what I was going to be doing next week. And uh, I didn't have that constant monologue in my head. I just, I stopped and I was like, it's okay. I know what I'm doing. You know, I'll wake up Monday morning, sit down, have a look at the website, see what I'm supposed to be doing this morning. That's what I do. And it, it was brilliant. It meant that, you know, that clarity, that constant that you were talking about, the kind of here, but not here thing <laughs> it, that didn't happen. Um, so I'm a, I'm a really big fan of that. I think there are lots of loads of different planning and, and productivity software out there, but plan.co is really good for me. Um, I'm hoping that they'll bring an app out soon so you can, you can kind of do it from your phone as well. Uh, it's, it's not there currently, but, uh, yeah, no, I found that. Really at least it syncs with your calendar, which will be in an app form. Yeah. Well, it doesn't. So the tasks in it don't then show in the calendar. So it, it shows stuff in the calendar, but it's tasks don't cross pollinate back across. G Suite have a google calendar but then they have google task does it sync with the google task oh i don't know it might do i haven't had a play with that um right. might, might give it a shot all right okay yeah. and what was the second bit that you, you oh yeah you? it's a totally different bit of software but it just it popped into my head when you you kind of talking about software to recommend um i do lots of video stuff i make lots of videos um very amateur but uh in i do a lot of content marketing is the main goal and strategy um, mm -hmm. i've got a new video out on linkedin with presentation tips every week um and i ummed and ahed about trying to find software to do it um and i've settled on a thing called filmora go um which is wondershare filmora um, filmora go and it's fantastic um, I think I got it on a, they had a, a discount offer on, on the price, but it's really good. So if you, if I advise, if you are messing around with video at all, um, and I'm a windows user, so, uh, I don't have access to iMovie and that sort of stuff. But if you're, if you're struggling with windows inbuilt movie makers and free things mm -hmm. that have watermarks and all that kind of stuff, I spend a little bit of money and it's, it's brilliant. It lets me produce stuff really well. So yeah. oh, excellent. That's good. 
Yeah, I've, I've, I've ended up switching from Windows. <laughs> everything's now Google, so they're now tracking everything I do. So. Yeah, I mean, once you they, they track it anyway, so once you accept that it's like, yeah. might as well make use of all the tools. I like how you were touching on that, how really planning helps you to kind of clear your mind because once you know, it then takes off some of that burden on your shoulders because you go, oh, I've got to do this, or oh, no, I forgot to do that and I need to do this. And it, and it does, it just speeds up your mind to actually be in the room I suppose so yeah absolutely but if your partner is a nurse it's going to be quite rare that you do get that time together where yeah you know she does she just a bit refreshed so. three 12 hour shifts a week and then for whichever one is the next day she's just knackered so it's it's trying to make the most of that time and if I had and again if I had a nine to five I'd never see her so it's you know why am I doing this I'm doing this to be able to spend that time and and do things well and then uh yeah and and being productive i'm not great at doing it all the time but when i do do it so this morning actually i've, I've sat down and planned this whole week and suddenly you know that feeling of oh i've got so much to do okay it's a bit more sorted now um and I'll, the sanity yeah, the mental absolutely, health. absolutely and uh, a lot of that actually came off the back of a chat i had with tiana so um, she is fantastic. If you haven't listened to that podcast, I think it's episode three. Uh, go back and listen to Tiana because her content as well is, is so good. Like She's on the ball with it. And I, I wish I had a brain like Tiana's where I could just live my life like that. Um, yeah. So just just do, do it sometimes, I think, is, is my thing. You know, I'm not beating myself up about not doing it all the time. But, some, you know, when you feel you need to and you feel everything's getting a bit too much, sit down and, yeah, do it. What would be your top tip for entrepreneurs who want to improve their presentation and communication skills? Cool. Uh, I would say first up, well done. Um, attitude is one of the biggies. Um, I, I, you can't train people who don't want to get better. Um, but if you are good, you will stand out from the rest in in a really long way. But the, in terms of the big tip, the 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 biggest thing that I think gets forgotten is that it's it's not about you. You know, people think because they're standing up at the front of the room, this is this is this is the Duncan show or the Peter show. It's all about you and your ideas and the stuff you want to say. And isn't this great? And don't you think it's exciting? And and it's not at all because, um, you know, if if you weren't there, the audience would have a lovely time. They chat, they send some emails, they do some networking. It'd be great. Right? <laughs> yes. If if they're not there, you're just a lonely person standing talking to a room, empty empty room, right? Um, so it's not really about you and, and you take that thought further, you go when you're writing a talk, um, who, who's the audience, who's going to be in that room and how do I engage them? And often that comes down to what do they care about? How do I connect my thing, the thing I want to talk about? So in my case, presentation skills, how do I connect presentation skills to what they care about? So if it's a room full of PhD students, they care about going out and going to conferences and not looking like idiots. So I connect it to this idea of being able to stand up on a stage and, and kind of hold your own. Um, if it's people doing pitching and sales, it's about separating yourself out from the 10 other pitches that the people across the table have seen that day. How do you, how do you stand out? How do you be remembered? So if you're, you're first, they remember you at the end of the day and they go, we'll pick that person. That's kind of what they care about. Um, if it's to just business owners in general who, you know, promoting your business and marketing is a big, uh, you know, I, I really encourage people to use speaking as part of a marketing plan almost. Um, so it's about that. It's about finding what do they care about? What are they interested in and connecting your thing to that? 
rather than just speaking about what you care about and what you're interested in because they might not care about that <laughs> it's i like what you said there because i mean we've both been to events uh, and or seen speakers and you can always tell which one's the ego trip and then which one is is actual focused on the audience actually i want to give true value here uh, and I've seen it before where you attend something that you think is going to be a talk and it ends up just being a sales pitch or all about those. And, and I hate that when it's a paid talk, when you pay to close it. Yeah, yeah. And all they're doing is saying, buy my services or this is me, this is all. And you're just like, that's not the reason no, it's, it's, it's to come, of, you know. It's like social media, you know. If you, if you try and sell directly to people in social media, it, it doesn't work. If you put out good content that people value and you build an audience and people go away going, oh, Peter's great, I really liked his talk, that was really helpful, seems like he knows what he's talking about, that then connects to sales later on. Um, it's a, it's a slower it's process. It's all about the content. It's all about the content. <laughs> you're, you're my good content. <laughs> um, no, I like that, yeah, so... To focus on the audience. Yeah. On the other thing as well, you see, is you know, you, you have things you find funny, but that's yes. <laughs> and we've all seen the jokes flop where we face palm like, oh no, did oh, that you always, always, <laughs> always check jokes through somebody else before you go up on stage. Um, and yeah, it's stuff you think is funny sometimes isn't. If there is any doubt, don't, don't say it, just don't do it <laughs> just because because a, a joke that goes well is great. But there is nothing worse than a joke that ends badly, particularly if you don't then have the skills and the confidence to kind of to recover and, and recover from that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what I learned from teaching as well is you you might be having a joke with one person, but then someone else in the classroom would be fuming and taking offence, even though it's nothing to do with them. You just yeah. never know who's who's. You've got to be careful. You've got to be careful about alienating people. And uh, there's, some speakers have a have a technique. Um, and it is a technique where you, you kind of pick a fall person, you, you, you pick somebody to pick on in the audience a little bit and, uh, and you have a little bit of joke with them, a little bit of mocking with them. And um, uh, the theory is that, that the audience kind of bands together in, in laughing and joking about this one person. But if they don't, if they, if they react badly to you picking on someone you've lost, you lose a lot of like, yeah. it, I don't like it as a technique. It's, it's, I think it's lazy. It's a bit aggressive, but, some people use it. I, but, and that's the thing. You just got to be careful. You know, audiences are all different. You've got to always be reading them and, and kind of switched on to what's happening and, and what's going on there. Absolutely. And you've mentioned a couple of pieces of software and tools that you like. Uh, is there any that, that is your favorite and why? Maybe something to help with presentation and communication? I don't um, So I'm a big fan of PowerPoint, actually. Um, okay. uh, lots of people say PowerPoint's awful and death by PowerPoint. Like, no, 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 no. It's just a tool. Um, PowerPoint, bad PowerPoint is people being lazy and not understanding how to use the tool well. Um, the, but I, one of the reasons I like it is it's kind of ubiquitous. Everybody is vaguely familiar with it. You can get something together. You can put some words and some pictures in very easily. And that's kind of all you need, really, particularly for good, clean presentations. In terms of speaking and, and presentations and what I do, that's about the only software I really use. Um, I do like, Zoom and Skype and that sort of stuff for um, uh, distance coaching. But, um, yeah, uh, I'm, no, I like it. I'm a fan. It's you, the, the simple stuff is very easy to work out. Mm -hmm. 
um, and you don't need any of the complicated stuff. It's good when people use it as an aid and it really, you know, empowers the talk a little bit more and adds to the talk. It's bad, as you say, when people are lazy and I've seen it before where people are delivering training in and all they're doing is reading a PowerPoint and you're like, see what, mate, do you want to sit down? I'll read it myself. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And, and that's the thing, you know, lots, it's used badly probably like 90% of the time. Um, even people thinking of it as a, a reminder, like a, a, each slide reminds you what you're supposed to say next. No, just learn it. Like you should know what you want to say and where you want to go. Um, so yeah, it's, it's about using it as a backup for the points you're trying to make um, and a signpost. So that to, uh, my slides are very minimum. Um, I will have one word or one image, um, maybe a couple of words, but not sentences, not really bullet points very often. Um, and part of the reason I use them is to show people how minimal you can go and it still be effective. You know, I have a, the, the biggest failing with PowerPoint is what I call uh, TMS, which is the only acronym I use. Uh, too much stuff. Uh, <laughs> just too much stuff. Don't put, don't put too much stuff. Um, so it's one, one kind of thing at a time and one uh, image or one idea at a time is really important as well. So you have it as a, as a, as a support. So if you wanted to communicate uh, how wonderful dogs are, you put up a picture of a cute puppy and everybody's thinking, oh my God, dogs are wonderful, right? Um, but you also use it as a signpost. So people zone in and out of talks all the time. You can't really control that. You know, they might mm -hmm. suddenly remember that they left the cooker on or trying to work out what they want for dinner or whatever. Um, if I'm doing a five minute little bit of talking about X, uh, about uh, body language, say, and you zone out and you, when you zone back in again, I've moved on it can be really confusing to pick up where I am, but if there's a big sign that says body language <laughs> up behind me, you go, all right, yeah, that's what we're talking about. Okay. Um, so that kind of signposting for people to, to, to stay on track with what you're talking about. It's not about providing detail. It shouldn't be about um, giving lots of information out because that's not, not what it's good for. I think the, the tech companies are quite good at this. So when you look at the Google and the Apple keynotes, uh, they're literally just a, a coloured background with maybe one word. And then obviously they're quite strong on, on the imagery that they use in the videos, but they're really minimalistic at all. I think, I think Apple and Google are both, they've probably got that bit nailed really. When it comes yeah, to it's, 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 um, so there's a lot of the, the big, big companies in Silicon Valley work with a company um, called the Duarte Company, right. um, who are, last time I checked, them, the sixth biggest company in Silicon Valley. Um, and they are solely uh, presentation and communications. Right. Okay. Um, uh, Nancy Duarte uh, runs it, and she's she's fantastic. Um, but yeah, so they they spend a lot of time thinking about this. And as you say, you know, in the in the tech sector, often this sort of stuff is forgotten about. Um, uh, and certainly, stereotypically, the the computer scientists and the geeks are the ones who can't communicate and can't talk but the big companies recognize the value of it and really put effort into making sure that it it goes well for them um and yeah you know tms just keep it simple don't put too much stuff <laughs> don't put too much stuff up and how you work out if it's too much stuff you put a slide up and you look at it and you go is that too much stuff yeah okay get rid of it <laughs> It looks busy. Now right now, yeah. Yeah, or or split it into different slides. You know, the the number of there's all these sort of weird rules about PowerPoint, which I, I think is complete nonsense. But there's you know, 
uh, if you've got if you want to make five points have five slides you don't have to put them all on one slide like you know <laughs> if you want to do five points one point at a time you don't have to put them all on one slide particularly if that's going to make the slide look busy have five slides with one point at a time mm-hmm. it's just an extra click of the button it doesn't doesn't impact you at all really there's not a charge per slide is there no exactly you know i, I go to talks with 100 150 200 slides there's basically nothing on each one <laughs> <laughs> that's it well that's all they do is just one word yeah. well, thank you for coming on and, and giving all your value there all your tips and uh, tricks uh, before you go is there a way that people can connect with you and is there also somebody that you would recommend to come on the podcast yes so um, you can connect with me on LinkedIn I'm Duncan Yellowlees on LinkedIn I spend lots of time there I'm also on Twitter uh, D underscore Yellowlees um, and uh, you can find my yeah email that's the word i'm looking for find my email and stuff through my website which is uh um but do get in touch i'm really happy to chat as i say i put stuff out on linkedin and twitter all the time um i put a, a new video out a tip video out every week and other bits and pieces um so yeah come and come and chat that would be great uh somebody i'd like to recommend um michelle minikin who is a chartered business uh psychologist working up here in the northeast she's really good fun um and get together and eat cake every now and then and uh yeah she's got some really interesting insights on how to do business and a sort of slightly different side of things um, as well as running her own podcast and various other bits and pieces so i think she'd be a great guest sounds fun we'll definitely contact her so thank you so much for coming on today it's been great having you no worries peter thank you very much remember listeners to go and a start your business